Welcome to the Founders for Good podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Turner. Join me as I speak to the most inspirational founders of four good startups, the people that are leading the way when it comes to solving the world's most pressing issues. I explore their journey as founders and their best kept secrets on how to grow a four good startup and how to hire top people. My hope is that this will inspire you to be part of the solution and do your bit in making the world a better place. Thanks for tuning in to the Founders for Good podcast. Vese Agogovia is the founder of Philly and Friends. When Vese had a daughter in 2017, she quickly realised there was a lack of diversity in children's books, with less than 1% featuring a black or minority ethnic main character. This inspired her to self-publish her own book entitled Who Do I See in the Mirror, which features her daughter as the main character and has a clear message of self-love through the power of representation. Since then, her business, Philly and Friends, has grown into an iconic children's lifestyle business with purpose, representation and diversity at its core. In this episode, Vese speaks about the lack of representation in children's toys and books, the impact this has on children from an early age, building a purpose-led business and her experiences as an entrepreneur. Hey, Vese, great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. And how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, really good. Excited about this one. Um, so I always like to try and you know delve a little bit into the guest background to begin with, and um, was keen to understand a bit more about kind of your you know your background, your upbringing, and like your path into becoming an entrepreneur. So I just wondered, you know, did you have like, lots of role models around you that were like running their own businesses, or is it something more kind of just innate that developed over time? Um, that's a very good question, actually. So my background, I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. I'm from the Niger de- Niger Delta but I grew up in Lagos and yeah, my dad is an entrepreneur. He's always been that. I've never known him to work in a corporate environment, although I think he did earlier in his life. Um, And yeah, so I grew up around him, watching him grow his business. Um, But I obviously did not realize the impact that he was having on my life because my mom also, my mom took a different path. She had a career. She worked for 26 years in insurance. She rose to the top of her career ladder. And that just seemed like the path. Um, Over my dad encouraged us towards that path, although he never chose for us. He let us choose ourselves. Um, So yeah, so I I would say my dad has been the biggest influence in me becoming an entrepreneur. Um, I just see myself doing certain things and I I just see his spirit in me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and that that makes a lot of sense because like when I was doing my research, I was looking at your your career path, and it was a really interesting one. And it probably makes sense now. It kind of combines both your parents because like you you know you did your master's in engineering, you then worked for some pretty big kind of corporate names like Accenture and Bloomberg, um, and and then you kind of transitioned into doing something very different entrepreneurial. Um, what you know what what can you know can you can you describe like what that transition was like? Like what was the moment or what caused you to decide to go from like, you know, high flying corporate career to today you know, creating a purpose led children's lifestyle brand, you know, from the ground up? <laughs> um, another good question. Honestly, I would say passion. Um, I'm very, I get very passionate about things. <laughs> and when I do, I tend to like put my all and everything inside. I become like a disciple of it. Um, and even before this, I'd set up a business with my sisters. Um, but it was centered around food, okay. which we love. So that was also passion driven. Not um, we, we all did that with our full time jobs as well. Um, but going on to Philly and Friends and the children's brand, I had my daughter, and I always say that it felt like she turned my life upside down, but she actually turned it the right side up. Nice. Because in having her, I 
just became a, a, a bit more concerned about the world around me. I was so conscious about raising a confident child, obviously understanding the impact that the world around has on children, on individuals. I, I had to look internally at myself. Okay, I had lovely parents. Um, they were fantastic. They were there. They provided. Um, but I also had my own personal insecurities that I was dealing with. You know, so what caused that? I remember coming to the UK from Nigeria at 15. And in Nigeria, I was the type of child who would answer the questions. I quite liked my maths, my physics, my, you know, chemistry. I was quite academic. And I came here and I started sitting at the back of the class, you know. So there are things that affect a child's confidence. Um, and so I started doing my research to see, okay, I don't want that to be how. I want her to be confident throughout. Obviously, I know life happens, but I want to set the foundation. Um, and I want her to know that she's special. I want to um, instill something in her. Um, I'll give an example. So I am born on the 29th of February, which means that I have my birthday once in four years. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. When, I was much, when I was much younger, I used to cry because I didn't have my birthday um, every year. And my mom sat me down one day. I can't remember how old I was, maybe about five or I'm not sure anymore. But I remember her speaking to me and telling me, do you know how special you are? Do you know there are not that many people born on this year, on this birthday? It's the mm. most special birthday in the world. And she made a big deal about it. Um, and so I grew up feeling special about my birthday. Um, I did, and even with that work that she did, Sometimes I'll get to the 28th of February when there's no, there's no 29th and I start feeling out of water because I don't actually have a birthday. Um, and there'll be some people who would say things like, oh, it's not your birthday, so I'm not telling you happy birthday. And sometimes it will sting. But I mm. go back to what my mom said to me and my friends around me, my siblings, my sisters, my husband, they make a big deal about it. And I go back to that and I find my strength. And so I wanted to do something similar for my daughter. Um, I wanted uh, to write a love letter to her to let her know that she's special. She's loved, you know, her skin makes no, obviously she should love her skin, but that's not who she is. She should love her hair, her height, you know, her belly, whether it's big and, you know, or small, whatever it is. Um, and so I woke up with the story in my head and, and I thought, okay, I'll write a children's book, not thinking much about it. <laughs> um, and, but because I'm, it can be a bit, I, I like to do things like overboard. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted it to be excellent. I wanted to, to be able to sit on the shelf with a book by Penguin and not feel intimidated. And that's how I started. <laughs> it was a simple love letter to my daughter to let her know that she's special, she's loved and she's everything. Um, but yeah. Yeah, That's no. My I, story. <laughs> yeah, no. I, great story, and I, I love that message. And as a father of like two young women growing up, like I, it, it resonates with me in terms of like how I want to bring them up and make sure they feel like special and confident in themselves and, and just accepting for for who they are. Um, in terms of uh, so to, you know the, the mission at Philly and Friends um, is to add a drop of color and diversity to the playroom while empowering literacy and, and underprivileged children. So I just want to kind of explore these two areas a little bit before we talk specifically about the the book and the business. Um, so kind of focusing on, I guess, you know, diversity and representation first. I, I know it's a really obvious question, but I'd love to hear kind of like your explanation of you know, why is representation so important? <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Research says that by the age of two and a half, um, children are already picking their playmates by race. Um, and the way I look at it is you gravitate towards what you look like, right? Um, it's just natural. Um, your par- who your parents are, it's like you're a child, you're born, and you've seen your parents throughout. You go to familiarity. Um, and by five, I think there's something about racial prejudices already formed. So now imagine, and that's why for me, I believe that diversity in the playroom is very important because by the time the kids are going to school at five, they've already formed their opinions. And that's why you have playground incidences because kids already have an idea of what they think skin color, like what a person is based on their skin color. It's not, and so that's why I feel like what you expose them to in the playroom is very important because if your child, take for example, my daughter has a white doll who she loves and cherishes, she's grown an affinity to that doll, she's seen it on her shelf, she wouldn't go to the play, playground, or hopefully you hope that she wouldn't go to the playground and discriminate based on that skin color because she's had a doll. Children learn through play. Yep. You know, they learn about the world through play and all those things. And that's why diversity in the playroom is very important. It's um, the same way children learn to speak at home. They learn to, they learn kindness at home. They learn these things at home and take it to school. It's the same way they learn about inclusivity, things like, you know, and yeah. And so that's why it's so important for me. Um, It's not a, for me, it's about seeing a hue of color, like a range of hues, a sea of colors. You know, to let them know. I feel like we rob our children if they don't see everything. You know, we're giving them the opportunity to have, they see it, they might not understand it now, but when they grow older, they become inquisitive, they become, become curious, they understand it. And it's easier to accept and love what you understand. What you don't understand, you either fear it, hate it, or you run away from it, or avoid it, really. Um, and so that's my mission, really, to add diversity in the playroom. I remember going down to, I wouldn't call the name of the store, but there's a, um, or a kid, a toy store close to where I live. And I went to the doll aisle and it was a sea of white dolls. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was alone, so I wasn't with my daughter. But I was just thinking, why? Um, if my daughter was here, that's all she sees. And it's, it's, there's a subconscious in her thinking, oh, this is what is better. That's the, she's, she's a young mind, but her inter, there's a, an interpretation that she would have um, about it. I remember her looking at me one day, she was watching TV. I tried to play her in a mix of shows. Um, Mira the Detective, Eureka, there's so many shows I play. Black, brown, white. Oh, she, I, so that she knows she's full of what the world really is. And she looked at me and said, because she calls white peach. She said, mommy, why are, why are they always peach in the shows? Everyone is always peach. And I thought, oh my goodness. She sees it. We can't say kids do not see color. We don't see color. We see green. We see red. Of course yeah. we see color. What we want is to, the way we love the rainbow, red, orange, we, we don't see we see the different colors, but appreciate the different colors. That's what we want. It's not about, um, it's not about, oh, red is better than orange. No, you know, 
they all appear on the rainbow in equal measure. And that's what we want for our kids. That's what we want to show our kids, that we all belong in the, on the earth in equal measure. Um, so yeah, that's diversity in the playroom. That's how I feel about it. Um, I come from a very practical, um, yeah, a practical point of view is that it's just the world. That's what the world is. Let's show our kids what the world really is. 100%. And, and do you feel like we are slowly going in the right direction? Like, you know, to use an example of like walking around a toy shop like today, do you feel like we actually get to a place where there is better diversity and representation? Um, or is there still quite a long way to go in your opinion? Mm, what do I say now? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're heading in the di- right direction, but I don't know if it's at the right pace. Um, so what I see now, there I, I must say that I've I've met some fantastic people who are not black and they really want to do better for their kid. A lot of our customers, are, I would say it's a, pl- a split of 60, 40, 60 black, 40 norms. And that's, I feel like that's a really good yeah, split. Yeah. Um, so you do have people, but there's still so much to be done. A lot of the narrative I see is about it's it's almost like it's for black people, so it's not for me. Um, and it's for me. I, I keep saying it. My my daughter has white dolls. Um, just call brown dolls. So it's not just for black people. <laughs> it's for everyone. You know, because if I can have a white friend, I can have a white doll. If you can have a black friend, you can have a black doll. And so it's the mindset that still needs to shift. Um, and yes, our children need their representation. There's a big push towards a lot of people of color wanting representation for their children. And I understand it because for a long time they haven't had it. I, I didn't remember having a black doll as a child, actually. Yeah. So many people have not had it and they're so pleased to have for their kids to have that. Yes. And I wouldn't take away from that mission. It's so important because you become what you see, like you believe what you see, right? Um, And you become what you believe. So it's very important for them and for us to have that representation. But it's not just for us, it's for everyone. (laughs) It's for all children. I've seen white um, kids fall in love with my doll. And it's just, it's, it's for me, it's beautiful. It's, it, we're moving closer to a diverse world of mutual respect, adoration, admiration. Um, so while, yes, there's, a, there's progress, the, mid, the needle is moving very, very slowly. <laughs> um, and yeah, but that's like with almost everything, women yeah. empowerment and all of that, it's moving very slowly. But we're in the right direction. So we celebrate every win. Definitely. And um, I mean, you already gave some examples there, but like in terms of like what we can be doing as individuals, as, as parents to help shift that needle or, or make that pace pick up a little bit more, um, you know, what advice would you give to parents in terms of yeah, what, what steps they could be taking? Um, the first thing I always suggest is to check your inter- internal bias. We all have them. Yep. And they feed into our children. <laughs> um, they feed into our children so much more than we realize. They read our body language, our 
you know, our exclamations and things like that. So that's the first step. I always encourage people. I have them. You have them. Everyone has yeah, yeah. bias of some, of some sort. So check your bias and be honest with yourself. Do I need to make changes? If I do, how do I, where do I start from? And then once you've done that, I feel like you're in a better place to make it, make changes. But if you're in denial, I feel like anyone that's in denial will not be able to make changes. If you feel like, um, no, I've had enough or there's diversity fatigue or whatever it might be, then you're not in the right place to do the work. So you need to check your bias and where you are at. Um, and once you've done that, check your playroom. What do you see? Do it. Do an audit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Check the books. You know, I also often say boys need to see girls win in books. Um, I remember once my daughter asked if a princess can be a hero or if I think she wanted like a knight to save. And I was like, no, no, no. I actually don't play a lot of Disney and a lot of um, princess stories for her. I, I do have a mix. Mm. But I, I intentionally do not play it often because I don't want that mentality of a savior and it has to be a man. Yeah. Um, in her mind, um, she will get, she watches it, but not a lot. Um, I was like, so where did she get that from? I had to think about it. And I thought, actually, we need more girl heroes saving boys because saving everyone, because we need to, these things feed into our kids and people don't realize it. Um, yeah. So check your playroom, your, your books, the books for the kids. What's in there? What's the narrative? You know, what's the story? It's not just representation. You know, sometimes you see a book and there's one black boy or Asian boy or girl at the back, colored, you know, looking yeah, yeah. Really dejected. It's not that. It's what is the narrative in the book? Is it positive? It's not just about the color. Is it positive? Um, also, check the toy box. The dolls, what's the range of hues you have? What's the quality? People don't realize things like quality. Kids can see the difference. You buy, assuming, let's, I'll use myself as an example. I buy a, an 80 pounds doll, black doll for my daughter. And then I buy the 10 pounds white doll that looks a bit, you know, worn out. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that's a message because she does not understand the value of both at the moment yet. That's a message I'm passing across to my daughter so, subconsciously. Um, and so just look at the toy box. What do you have? Do an, an honest audit. Do the books align with your values? I always ask parents to read books. I remember my daughter had a book. There was a book she brought home um, about the ugly duckling. And when I read the story, I think it said something like, um, I, I, I'm brown and ugly. Oh, you know, it, 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 the, the, the language, oh my goodness. Terrible, yeah. And then at the end, turned into a beautiful white i'm no longer brown and ugly i'm now a beautiful white swan i was like my god this is outrageous i'm not reading this to my daughter absolutely not thankfully she couldn't read at the time but she might stumble across that sort of book somewhere and she's thinking what well mommy told me brown is beautiful you know um and because they're still kids they cannot process and understand certain things the way we do. So do make sure you check the book, the language, what's being said, the quality, 
um, to ensure that you're giving your kid. It's actually a gift you're giving your kid. You're giving them the gift of acceptance that, so that when they go into the world, if my daughter has a white boss or someone else's daughter has a black boss, they treat them nicely. Or, you know, someone, you know, that when they go into the world, they're better people. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that, uh, great advice. And um, yeah, it, it, a lot of it strikes, strikes called me. Like, like I said, I'm a father of two young, two young women. Uh, they've grown up super fast, but I remember, you know, we started to get books from the family and there was a lot of these yeah, princess books and I, you know, grandparents don't even think about it. It's like a Disney princess book. You know, they, they must love that. And I started, and the narrative really started to really irk me. And I was just like, I'm sick of this, this picture or this story of, you know, the girl is saved by the boy uh, and I'm trying to, you know, um, bring up like two confident, strong, independent women. Um, so we did what you mentioned, like started to audit some of the books and take out some ones and actually make sure they were reading stories, which would hopefully inspire them and then create like sort of different role models for them. Um, so, uh, yeah, a really, really great way of looking at it and, um, explanation. Um, so time to, um, come back to Philly and friends. I know you mentioned earlier kind of your pathway into becoming an entrepreneur and, and like why you, you wrote the book, which is called, um, who do I see in the mirror, which you said was like a love letter to your, to your daughter. Um, so I just wanted to explore the process of actually like publishing a book because I had a friend that self-published a book and it was a really difficult, you know, it was, it was really fulfilling, but it was really hard actually. That was like a children's book on kindness. Um, am I right in thinking you, you self-published self-publish the book? And if so, like what, what, how difficult, how easy is that process? <laughs> is anything ever easy? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I did publish. I published the, I self-published the book. It was a decision I was trying to make at the time. And because it was my first one, I didn't know where it was headed. I just wanted the control. I know mm-hmm. I wanted the, I knew the quality, the type of thing I wanted. So I, I self-published and I didn't realize how hard it would be. <laughs> um, but one of the things I always advise people is Google is a wealth of knowledge. There's so much on Google. There are so many blogs out there that direct you on um, what to do. People talk about their wins and their fails and how it, how it's happened um, for them. Uh, so that was really useful for me. I also did a lot of market research. I went out there, bought many books and it was good because I had a daughter. Um, so she read the books as well. But just understanding paper quality, hardback, softback, paperback, um, language, you know, the type of books, type of illustrations. Um, I tested them with my daughter as well, which one she gravitated towards, which one I gravitated towards, you know, just the whole thing. I did a lot of research. Um, it is a big project. (laughs) Um, it's not inexpensive. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It, um, it takes a lot of time. I think a lot of the work is also in the marketing as well. I didn't realize how much marketing is. I, I when I did it, I like I said, it was a love letter to my daughter. I wasn't thinking of anything like me at the time. And I released the book on the same day I announced the book. I know, I think, yeah, I announced it maybe like two weeks before or something. And it was later on, I realized that people with marketing budgets, big marketing bu- budgets, start talking about books six months in advance, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and so those are the the little lessons I picked along, along the way. But in terms of my process, um, I like to do things really well. 
So I, I did my market research. I sent out a survey to people to find out, okay, I have this idea. Do people really want it or is it just me? Um, and then I got back like results. I knew that people wanted it. They also even suggested different topics, which was nice. And then I went and searched for an illustrator, someone who had like understood the vision, someone I could also relate with. I really like good relationships. So someone I could relate with as well. I found that. Another thing I did was I ensured that I had an editor. One of the things that people don't do is get a professional editor. Please get a professional editor for the type of book you are writing. It's very important. So I got a children's editor. Um, so just to make sure that the language is appropriate, it speaks well, it reads well. I actually got two of them, two people to review it just to make sure that, you know, um, yeah, so that was my process. And then finding a printer, you know, I had to search the depths of internet, (laughs) (laughs) um, get samples, all of that work. It's not a joke. It's a lot. Um, yeah, but it's been fulfilling. I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad I did it. And I'm so glad I did it myself as well. Obviously, it would have been nice <laughs> to get the support. Um, but I put my blood and sweat into it. And it's, it's brought so much more in terms of like the dolls, the puzzles I have now, yeah. the affirmation cards. It's just grown um, beyond what I could have ever imagined. And I don't know if I would have had the same effect if I got it published um, traditionally, I just don't know. I, I can't say because I can't read the, I can't change <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the past. Um, but yeah, it's been a journey, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of messaging people, having to take myself out of my comfort zone because I'm not naturally like cold calling, cold emailing, but I'm not that type of person. But I've had to put on my big girl pants and go out <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you're listening and thinking, I'd love to work for a company like this, then you need to go to www.jobsforgood.io, where they have the best jobs in four good companies. From climate change to social impact to green transport, you'll be able to find the perfect job for you. Trust me. Check it out, www.jobsforgood.io. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, and, and I don't think anyone. Well, I think very few people enjoy that. But I think when you when you're doing it because you really believe in what you're what you're doing, that makes a big difference, and you kind of push through those things <laughs> you don't really want to do, but you know that they're like necessary. Um, and, and you just mentioned, you know, when I was looking through your website, it's not just a book anymore. I think there's 35 different products, like you said, you know, wall art, puzzles, soft dolls. What, at what point did you realize that you wanted it to be more than just the book? Like, w- was there a specific point or was it just like a natural evolution that you started to do one thing and another thing and then it's just kind of led into to where it is now? Yeah. So interesting, interesting one. So I, first of all, I had the website always because I feel like you need to have a website. I always feel that. But I initially was pushing people towards Amazon because I thought, oh, I did the reviews. Um, and then they lost my books, about 60 books or 90 books. I can't remember. They lost my books. I couldn't find them. No word about them. And then I had some issues. They were taking 60%. It was just not working out. And I thought, you know what, actually I'm going to focus on my own website. So I started focusing on my own website and then I was thinking about it. Oh, people are coming to my website or having to buy just one book for 10 pounds. and having to pay for shipping because I'm a small business and 
shipping is not is expensive. Yeah. More expensive than people actually realize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how about I get something? And then I spoke to a really oh, this guy was really lovely. His name is Alex. He has a subscription box, one third stories. And he just said, you know what, Vesey, I think you need to add something on to increase your order, um, order value. Mm-hmm. Um, let's think about how to do it, what you can do. Um, yeah. And I was like, actually, that's a very good idea. So I have this book with beautiful illustrations, absolutely beautiful illustrations. How about I make them wall art? And that could help so people could buy them together. Yeah. And so I added that on to see if people could, yeah as a bundle and increase my order um, average order value. And it's obviously more of an incentive for people to buy the book on my website as opposed to on Amazon. Um, and then one of my friends, one of my very good friends for Larry, she messaged me to say, Vesa, I love this book so much, but I want to do more with the kids. Um, affirmation cards. Can you do something like affirmation cards yeah, or yeah. whatever? And she, what she did not know is at the time I was writing affirmations. Um, and so I was like, okay, people want this. Yeah. It's not just me. And what I did with my affirmation cards is different. It's not just a one-sided thing for the kids where you say, I am beautiful. I am intelligent. Those are good. But what I have on the flip side of the card is affirmations for the parent or the carer to give back to the child. Um, so if I take one of them, for example, it says, um, I am beautifully made. And at the back, I would say back to John, yes, you are perfect in every way or something like that. Nice. And it's just because, um, first of all, a lot of parents don't know what to say to their kids because many people did not get this affirmation themselves. Um, but also kids want to hear it from their parents. So even if you know how to say it, it's just to give you a prompting to create like back, like a two-way conversation yeah, yeah. with your child. Um, and so that's what I did. I created the affirmation cards. I released that. Um, people loved it, you know, and it just kept growing from there. And I started thinking dolls. Before I li- actually, before I, the book was based on my daughter, obviously, like she's the muse. She looked exactly like the girl. Now she's grown a bit more. Yeah, she's, yeah. A, she's less chubby and she's stretched up. So she doesn't look <laughs> as much, but it was very much based on, based on her. And so I wanted to do a doll when I was launching. And a friend of mine, she said, actually, Vesa, just do the book. And that, I think that was really good advice because I could focus on pushing the book at the time mm-hmm. um, and market it like holistically. Um, and so I got to a situation where I started thinking, okay, doll again. I want a doll again. And my daughter wanted a fairy doll for Christmas. My husband and I went everywhere trying to find a fairy doll that was black because we wanted yeah. that, that particular doll to be black for her. Um, I remember driving everywhere. I couldn't find one. I eventually found one and she didn't like it. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Okay. And I thought, actually, I went through all that stress. I'm going to make her one because I'm that mom. I just, she wants something. I yeah, try yeah, yeah, yeah. as much as possible to get it for her. Obviously within reason. But yeah, I do try. So I designed one and then I got someone to illustrate it. I got it made and he came back and I was so in love with it. At the time, my parents were around and they said, Bessie, you have to do this for other parents like yourself who would want something similar. You just have to do it. And so that's how the dolls were born, you know. Um, and then the boy doll is, has come out very recently. 
because I have a son now and everyone kept telling me, you know what? He's going to ask you, mommy, do you love me at all? <laughs> you did everything about my sister. Yeah. Not yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. So I re- really in- um, introduced her brother, Ari, into the mix. Um, so it's Philly and Ari, who is yeah. Ari's her little brother. Yeah. So it's just naturally evolved. And I have the puzzles coming out. They're based on careers. And that has been, I've been sitting on the illustrations for about two years now. Um, and I thought, you know what? I need to work on these puzzles. Um, just because I, I, like I tell my daughter, one of the things I say is now that I'm here, when you ask a child, what do you want to be in future? It's so limiting because you don't know. If you had asked me this five years ago, I wouldn't have said Philly and friends. Not at yeah. all. <laughs> and then you're asking a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, there's absolutely no way they're going to know. So I say, instead of that, you know, asking that, you can ask your child, what impact do you want to make? What do you enjoy doing? You know, you know, there are so many other questions and that has led to the career puzzles so that kids can see the multitude of things that they could potentially be, you know, and they could just dream as far wide as possible. Um, and it's also based on Philly as well. She's the muse. She's the person who is the artist. She's the person who is the doctor. And I, I like that message because it lets them realize that they can be, yeah, yeah, they yeah. can choose. They don't have to be one thing. Like take myself, for example, I studied engineering at university. I came out, I worked in management consulting. I became a chartered engineer. I worked in Bloomberg in sales. I worked in national grading. Like you know, I, I've done some, and now I'm an entrepreneur. So I could, I could be many things. Mm. Um, um, so, and it's just understanding that at different points in your lifetime, you could be what you decide to be. And so that's the whole idea behind the puzzles. And it's all centered around Philly and friends. So yeah, it's just been a natural progression. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely love it. And and um, I guess to talk about that natural natural progression in terms of where it might go next, like what, what what's in the roadmap? What what have you got plans that's coming up over the next year or two if you're allowed to share? Oh, coming up. <laughs> mm, maybe I'll keep that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have um I do have like with the puzzles, I have I'm I'm releasing the puzzles with three, a range of three. And so the artist, the astronaut, the doctor. Nice. Um, but I have about 15 or 20 <laughs> careers. Um, yeah, so those will, I'm hoping that those will come out. Uh, I have the footballer as well. I'm like, okay, the World Cup is now. I probably should release it now <laughs> because it makes more yeah, sense yeah, yeah. to do it now while all the football hype is out. Um, so I'm going to release that. I guess that's one of the things I'm doing. Um, I want to introduce more of her friends with a different hue. Um, just because like a lot of parents, I, I love that they, they get the black dolls, but some of them are like lighter skinned. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, it's my hope that I, I want my daughter to have a wide range of friends from different backgrounds. Um, and so her friends will be that. And I'm hoping to release that soon. Um, next year, one of the, one of my aims for next year. Yeah, I do have a list of ideas that, that I'm working on, but I guess those are the two I'll be happy to share today. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, fair enough. Um, all very exciting. Uh, you know, it, a, t- a kids' TV program or film at some point could that be on the cards? <laughs> Hopefully, someone out there is listening that can uh, sort that out. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, and you know, like, like we said, you know, you, you're an entrepreneur, um, and it, it's not like you, you said this isn't your only business. You co-founded another business, which I believe is with your sisters, and that's called Devise. Yes. Um, 
just to quickly talk about that for for a moment like can you explain like what what's the mission behind that business and and what does that business do and you said it's kind of food related yes it's food related it's very much centered around our love for food growing up um a lot of our family time was centered around food either cooking or baking with my dad my mom in the background or going to discover a new restaurant with my with my my dad being the main the ringleader, honestly, <laughs> um, or him coming back home with a new restaurant that he's found, and this is all in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, and so a lot of our background, my dad shows love with food, and so a lot of our background is based on food, and we all have a shared love for food. Um, and then, yeah, so there's this drink that's called Chapman that we used to drink in the country club in Lagos, Nigeria, the country club called Ikoi, Ikoi Club. And everyone loves it. It was made in, in the bar by a barman. Apparently legend has it that an expert went to him to say, mix me something fantastic. And the expert's name was um, um, Chapman. And so the barman mixed him Chapman, the drink now, mm-hmm. and he loved it. And so every day he would go back to ask for the same thing. And now the drink, the drink is called after him, Chapman. Um, that's the story behind it. Um, and it was originated in the Koei Club for what I know. And everyone loved it. And so my, my sister and I have always been uh, loved food. I used to bake. I baked my own wedding cake. Um, I was baking and, se- and selling to people. You know what? Now that I think about it, I, I had been into pricing. I just didn't realize it. <laughs> um, yeah, I was baking for people. I baked someone's wedding cake as well. Um, and we just used to do like pop-ups, cooking. We'll go for people's events and mix Chapman and take it for them, you know, as a gift. And my brother-in-law turned 70, not 70, 30. A, like some years back, like 10 years now, actually, or nine years. And we just thought, okay, we need to give favors. We loved giving really beautiful favors. So, why don't we give them Chapman? We bought, we mix it up, put it in the bottle, cap it ourselves, and then give it to people. It was just a random thought. And everyone went so crazy about it. We absolutely love the Chapman. This is beautiful. You need to do this. You need to do this. And that's how DVs was born. Um, out of passion, out of our love for food. And we thought, actually, Chapman is so, we have so many West African flavors that are so lovely yeah. um, that people don't know about. Um, we would love to introduce it to the UK market and international market. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's how we've built these. And yeah, that's our story. And it's Incredible. four of us. So I have three sisters, but four girls. And our, all our names start with V. So growing up, we're always called the V's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just thought, okay, yeah, our brand might as well be the V's. So that's my story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah. And, you know, I just, I guess, wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, your your kind of personal journey as a founder and some of your, like, views and experiences. And um, I know you recently recognized as one of the top 100 female entrepreneurs to watch by NatWest, which is a huge achievement. So first of all, congratulations. Um, secondly, I, I'm just going to, I guess, ask like in your opinion, what are the key attributes that someone needs to have to be a successful entrepreneur? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> is there one thing? Um, I think passion is such a big thing because there are some days I wake up and I'm like, how did I get here? What am I doing? 
yeah, yeah. You know, but the passion and the love and the drive for what I'm doing, um, both with Philly and Fred's and DVs, that's what keeps me going. Um, it's all I can think about. Honestly, sometimes I'm, I'm trying to switch off from Philly, trying to switch off, and I can't because I'm so passionate about it. Um, and so that's a good thing. And I, I feel like some people could be like, oh, but I don't have any passion. I'm not, I'm not that passionate about it. I'm, I feel like you're passionate about something. It could be money. It could be recognition, visibility, whatever it is. Yeah. Find that thing that holds you, that makes you wake up within whatever you're doing and focus on it. Um, I think another thing is resilience. Oh my God. You have to, I've gotten some emails and you mentioned the award. Thank you for um, the congratulations. That was beautiful. But I've also had some not non-wins as well. And those can be quite hard Yeah. Uh, when they come. And it's the ability to be able, like when you send emails, you're trying to like business development, trying to win something. There's a retailer that I've been, I've been working on for a year now, and it can be quite discouraging. Um, so you need to be able to pick yourself back up and say, you know what, that didn't work out. Something else will. And even if you are able, sometimes you have to take a break. I remember last year I was burnt out. I reached a brick wall and I could not move any, and I, I could not, I took, I took time out. I look at my Instagram because my, my sales, I look very, yeah. very aligned with Insta, my Instagram posting. And I could see because for five, six months, I was down. Um, and that's okay. You know, it's the ability to know when you need to step back and when you need to come back in. Um, and that's, and that's part of resilience, knowing yourself, knowing your limits and knowing when to push harder and knowing when to breathe. Um, I would say those are things and just do it. One of the things I said to myself now is, okay, I'm going to put myself out there as daunting as it, as it is because it's not natural in my, my personality. Yeah. Is that what's the worst that could happen? It doesn't work out. It would be painful. Don't let no one deceive you. It will be painful, but I will still be fine. You know, I will still be fine. And I think those are the things that really help me just, yeah. In terms of and resourcefulness, sorry, one more thing, resourcefulness. Yeah, yeah. Um, just going, I, I keep saying Google is. I, I I almost need to be like an ambassador for something <laughs> for Google because I always tell people Google is your friend. Just search the depths of Google, you will find what you're looking for. There's so much information out there. So many people willing to give information on their blogs, on you know spaces, and reach out to people. One of the things I did also was reaching out to people to say, hi, I'm here and I really need help. Is, yeah. is there anything you can afford, you know, or someone that's doing something similar to what you're doing, but not too similar, like, you know, <laughs> because if it's a competitor, they're probably not going to want to speak to you. Um, but just you see some similarities and you're like, actually, maybe you have a subscription box for dog, dog, collab, collab or something. And yeah, yeah. they have a subscription box for beauty. That's, you know, go and speak to them and say, well, how are you doing it? You know, I really need help. I just, I'm new in the industry. Love to connect, you know. There's always that one person who is very willing to give information. So do that. Yeah. All very good points. And, and yeah, that last one, like when I set up by myself, um, 
it was pretty scary, but like you said, there's always people willing to help. Like I think anyone that's been through that journey, they, they know how difficult it was and someone to help them. So then they're very happy to like return the favor to like the next wave of people like coming through. So you'd be surprised how, how helpful people really are. Um, one question I had was, um, you know, I, I work in recruitment and you know, the trend that I typically see now, we, we focus on working with like tech for good companies. So we see a lot of people come from like kind of, you know, corporate companies, um, and then they're looking to kind of shift their career and go work for companies that they feel really good about. They're doing something really impactful in the world. And obviously kind of similar to your career journey where you were working for like you know, big corporates um, and then d- doing what you're doing now. And I just wondered like in, in terms of how you feel your like personal sense of like satisfaction or fulfillment has changed from your work. Yeah. <sighs> That's a very good question. So how has my... I feel like I'm making a difference in a different way. I think initially it was about me and my career journey climbing, um, getting better, you know, or oh, the promotion or the new job or the new title. Yeah. Um, not that I'm that way inclined, but I feel like to an extent, my work was about that. It was mm-hmm. about the ladder. Um, and learning, cause I do love learning. So it was about learning. I, I was really trying to find myself as well within my career that what is my path, you know, where am I headed to? So it was very much about that. I guess my satisfaction was around that. And now it's so much about the impact I ha- I'm having. I messaged someone recently, like anytime I release a new product, she buys it. And I was like, oh my goodness, you mean, it means so much. You cannot understand how much it means to me. Your name is constantly one of the top, like one of the first people to buy anything. Yeah. Like this. And she messaged to say, you make it easy. Your products are fantastic. And that meant a lot to me because I'm making a difference to her personal home. I don't know how to explain to her kids. Another person sent a message saying, my daughter used to be confident. I'm paraphrasing now, please. And she had an incident in school where someone didn't want to play with her on the playground because of the color of her skin. Her skin was brown. My daughter came home for the first time saying she did not like her skin. Um, I read her your book and she's so much better. Thank you very much. And I'm sorry, I cannot get that sort of... satisfaction from any job um and it's a different type of satisfaction i'm not knocking down a career oh my goodness Mm. a career is fantastic obviously but here the purpose i'm like the even the impact we have in terms of for every product sold with philly and friend every philly and friends product sold we sponsor a book into the hands of an underprivileged child um via our partners books to africa and just reading their impact reports or just knowing that one child is going to get one book because of us. And I feel like books are like the tools that you can give anyone to help them dream outside of their current reality and helping them read, helping one child read is giving them a better chance if against like poverty or, you know, just helping them. I think it's about, 617 million people worldwide or children, I think children and adolescents worldwide um, are not on the reading standard that they should be. 
And so just for me, I, I'm like, that's already a, dis- a huge disadvantage. I remember my mom, because my parents, my, oh, they're so accommodating. They always have someone they're helping, someone they're giving, you know, helping out. And someone came to the house, was living in the house at the time. She was about 34. She could not read. Wow. I was devastated. And she had gone to school. You know, and and so just knowing that I'm able to make that impact as well, although indirectly, I feel like I could not have gotten that from a job. Yeah. Um, or at, at least the type of jobs I was working in. I got a different type of satisfaction of seeing my clients happy and you know, and that was good. And this is a different type, which I I, I really enjoy. So yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think, I think that's a journey that a lot of people will like resonate with and, and have probably been in themselves. Like, I think you start your careers quite inwardly, like it's focused on you, your learning, your progression. And then once you are able to have an opportunity where your impact is more outwards and it's actually seeing your impact on positive impacts on other people, that, that's something very, very powerful. Um, and I think once you have yeah. that feeling, it's hard to like ever <laughs> go back from that. Yeah. Um, so. Cool. Well, Vesso, look, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure. Um, for anyone that wants to follow yourself or Philly and friends, like where's best to follow you on on social media? Um, so it's uh, on social media. It's Philly P H I L Y N, the letter N for November friends. Um, on all my social media, uh, so on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, TikTok. Um, and we are website is www.phillyandfriends.com. Perfect. Cool. Well, look, I've really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you again for coming on the show and uh, wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been lovely speaking with you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode and leave us a review. We're just getting started out, so it would mean a lot to us. This episode was brought to you by Craig Turner, produced by Jabril Al-Sahimi and sponsored by Jobs for Good. Until next time.